Hello, 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 and welcome to week 14 of the 52 Week Film Project. This week, we know what week we're on. We're, 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 it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the clear this week. Yeah, near enough. Last week, I think I think we were. What did we come up with? Some bloody awful joke about having a whole team of fifty people behind the podcast, and no one stopped to tell us it was week thirteen. Yeah, I, know, right? I mean, how um how arrogant does that sound, man? Damn. No, I know. But we uh, we went back and we kind of we had a think about it. And we're thinking week thirteen. Why does that Why does that sound like a landmark? Why does that sound like an important bit to get to in the podcast? It's only a quarter of the way through fucking 52 weeks of film we've reviews. We've done it. Well, and we've still got so much more content to give. Well, pat on the back, mate. We're a quarter of the way through and it feels like just yesterday we were sat in a pub after watching Solo, A Star Wars Story. I had my highlighters. I had a pint of beer and a proper notepad. I had a you cocktail. Had, you, you had a weird cocktail oh, it was with great. fruit it was, in it. It had so many flowers we, in know, it. It just made me so happy. We, yeah, of course. We, we were taking this reviewer shit seriously, and now, <laughs> yeah, now look, look, look at where we are, mate. We have a we have a twenty minute chat before going live, and see what happens. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> hope and a dream. That's how we do this podcast. A hope and a dream. Exactly. Exactly. But things are moving forward. In the thirteen weeks, we've realised a new segment is a hilarious and interesting and engaging part for us to go through for both us and for you guys, the audience, to listen to, um, and. In true form, we have yet another mega news segment for you this week. Yeah, it is. It's um, a mega news. It, it, it's a, it's a mega news indeed. I mean, we we both when we started doing it, was it what four or five episodes ago? We were thinking, let's try and keep it each week to three stories, three stories each, mm. um, so that we don't kind of overload people or kind of it, the podcast doesn't run on too long. And I mean, this week especially, we've just gone fuck it. I mean, I've got six bits of news. <laughs> You've got four bits of There's news. Ju- it's just been a very heavy week of of film news. And it's, it's yeah, but oh, but mate, it's not just film news. Inside my segments, I've got a bit of video game news and a bit of podcast news. Well, this well, this is the th- I know, right? Well, this thing, yeah, we 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 cater for all audiences. Um, anyone can enjoy this podcast and all and all forms of media. Indeed, indeed. But anyway, without further ado, um, what's your first bit of news for the week, my good friend? Um, so this is um, news concerning your favourite actress of all time, uh, Aquafina. Um, oh God! <laughs> um, so Ocean should should have been Ocean Seven, mate. No, I know, I know. <laughs> um, so Crazy Rich Asians. I've got some facts about this. Um, we were we were thinking that in our last week's podcast we were going to watch this film at the screen unseen. Uh, it didn't t- turn out that way. We watched American Animals Thank instead. God. Yep, I know. <laughs> but it was project. The film was projected to gross eighteen to twenty million during its five day, day opening. It grossed twenty six to thirty million, and its second week grossed 25 million as well which um deadline hollywood called unbelievable for the type of film it is and it's proved so successful that uh michelle yo uh who was in tomorrow never dies and crouch and tiger yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and aquafina are now going to be doing a sci-fi action pick uh, action Brilliant. comedy pick which is um produced by the russo brothers um, oh, the guys that do the Avengers. Yes, the guys that do the Avengers, and directed by again another duo of a pair, um, the Daniels, who directed Swiss Army Man, which is that film with Daniel oh, Radcliffe. Really? Yeah. Did you ever watch that? I have no, not watched that. I never, I never saw it. I've heard good things though. Okay, all right. See, I think I think it's a good thing because I, you know, I'm not a big rom com fan anyway. Least of all American rom coms. Um, but Crazy Rich Asians is more than that. I think for a lot of people, it represents. Um, kind of like well it's a big thing for asian culture to have such a big hollywood movie mm. um and and with so many kind of trend setting 
you know, whether I like them or not, um, important Asian actors and actresses. Um, so I think that is the reason why it's so successful. I think it, it, according to the reviews I've read, it's got a really tight script and it's kind of doing bits for kind of diversity hires in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is with the whole like Francis McDormand inclusivity rider business, I think is exactly where we should be heading now. I think you're right. Um, yeah. Personally, not interested in it. No, but I'm I, kind, I kind of bored of, with rom-coms I, in general. I know that sounds yeah. really bad, but I just feel like for me, it just sort of peaked when um, Richard Curtis was doing them. And from that, from then on, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the devil's wears Prada. And then that's my peak. I think, I think I, I respect its place. Um, but personally, I'm just not, not keen on watching it, but I'm sure if I did watch it, I'd have a good time. Mm, mm. So what's your piece of um, film news, mate? Oh, my, well, my first bit is TV news. Um, we finally got a trailer for True Detective Season 3. Um, True Detective, the anthology crime series from HBO. The first season was absolutely mind-blowing. It had Woody Harrelson and uh, what's his face? That crazy geezer that was Matthew in Dallas McConaughey. Bias. Matthew McConaughey, there we go. that's it. Um, all right, all right, no all one- right. All right, all right. <laughs> the guy who no no one thought would reach the heights he has done after such impressive movies as Sahara. Um, well, yes. But he was great but in anyway, Magic Mike. Yeah, he was great in Magic Mike. Um, but season one was a big success. Season two with Colin Farrell. And I can't remember the names of the other actors and actresses in it. But anyway, there were some big names in there. Was a bit of a flop. Oh, People Rachel really McAdams like was in it as well. Oh, it was. Yeah, Rachel McAdams. And is it Taylor... Kitsch, is that the guy? I think you might be right. Vince Vaughn is also yeah. in it. Yes, he is. And he was, uh, people were thinking Vince Vaughn's going to like really blow the shackles off his career like McConaughey did. And he, he just didn't. No. Um, but anyway, no. So that was a bit of a flop. Season three seems to be from the trailer, going back to what season one did best. It's taken a very uh, kind of important or interesting actor. So it's taken Mahershala Ali who uh, won an Oscar for his role in Moonlight recently. He was uh, he played Cottonmouth in Luke Cage season one. He's just on a string of really good roles. He's a really great actor. Um, but they put him in the role as a detective um, around some kind of mystery in the Ozarks, and they've made it very clear that it's going to span across three different timelines. So it's a decade-long story. Oh, wow. Um, and, and he plays an older version of himself later on in the storyline, which I'm assuming you will see in every episode. So do you think he will follow season one? on similar lines to season one then? I think so. I, I, I think because t- season two didn't do that. And I think it was something that was really loved about season one. So I, I, I said this, when season two ended, I remember we spoke about it, God, like a year and a half ago. And I said, the reason I'm excited for season three is because season two did so bad that they need to lick their wounds, work out exactly what worked well and exactly what didn't work well and just drive it into season three. And I think there's potential. Once you've learned from those dazzling highs and those baffling lows, I think season three could be better than anything that's come before exactly. it. Exactly. And, and and they picked a phenomenal actor to return with. Yeah, very exciting. Like it's, it's a really exciting hire. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it should be good. That should be very good. in January. So my second piece of film news is that there is now a Quiet Place sequel planned for 2020. Um, what? Oh, no, really? Yeah, well, I was going to ask you your I opinion I don't know if I'm this. a fan about that. Well, yeah. So go on, tell me the details. Give me the details. Give me the, um, the gossip. It's released for 2020. Um, I've, the guy, jo- Josh Kerensky, is that his name? Or John Krasinski? Uh, J- John Krasinski. John Krasinski. That, that, um, that's it. Um, he has got a couple of other films that he's filming at the same time. So he is he's, he's in the process of trying to 
write scripts and film, but it's but he's got a lot of other things he's doing. I mean, the guy's quite like an old multimedia guy. He's always he's always yeah, doing lots just, and lots um, of different things. Well, well, brief side note, one of my smaller bits of news was just to bring up how he is starring in the lead role in the new Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan series yes, on Amazon Prime. And I watched the first couple of episodes yesterday. It's it's surprisingly good. Is it? Like, there, there's something unbelievably likeable about him, just in general. But also, it is like... I, I looked at it, I watched the trailers, and I thought, oh, this is just going to be such an average, by-the-numbers, home-front rip-off. Homeland. What's it? Homeland home front or Homeland? Homeland ripoff, and it's not like it's really engaging, really cool characters. Like you can tell on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's I had it up. It's got a seventy-two percent on the tomato meter, which for an Amazon Prime original series is pretty good. Mm. Um, but on the terms of the audience score, it's like ninety-five percent. So basically, reviewers are thinking it's good, but the audiences are really vibing off it. They're really enjoying it. Oh wow! Okay. And I just think I, I just think it's testament to how good he is as an actor. I think he's really likable. Yeah, I think I think he is a very very li- likable person. Um, if I don't know much about the plot, I don't think much means much has been revealed about where this takes place. Um, I haven't watched The Quiet Place, but I was wondering. Do they end it really well on the first thing, or is it is it a tied up story? If, if, for example, it, I, I I think it, it doesn't it doesn't have a conclusive ending, but it has a satisfying ending. I think anyone who has watched it will agree that it 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 ends well enough to not require a follow up, and I think maybe a follow up either immediately after the events of the first film or with the same characters would probably be a bit of a misfire. Because I think they've kind of they've done it, like they've done that group. Um, I think that if he did another film now, I think there's a lot of scope for introducing a new set of characters in the same world. So, like, yeah, I was thinking maybe, that fear of the Walking maybe, Dead, like in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally, so it's so taking the exact same setting, but following a new group of people. And and that maybe if they moved it, moved location slightly, even if they only moved it like to somewhere else in the United States that has also been attacked by this series of monsters, they could give it a whole new style. They could play with whole new kind of horror features. They could have a brand new cast and they could possibly even, if it was a new environment, introduce other versions of the creatures yeah. and not just limit them, not just limit themselves to the exact same ones that are in the first film. So I think I think it could work. I think there's space for it. I worry that it maybe won't be as appealing the second time round. Yeah, I get that. So what's your second piece of film news, mate? Uh, my second bit is video game news, oh, mate. For so, <laughs> so, so have you uh, going off the walls? Um, have you heard <laughs> that the, the the Spider-Man PlayStation Four game is coming out next week? Yes, I've, I've been my Facebook ads. All it says is the Spider-Man game. Yeah, now. Mate. so it's coming out on Friday. I'm really excited for it. I'm gonna some have to out of nowhere cough up about forty eight quid to buy it. It's, it's a fucking joke how much these games cost now. But anyway, there's been a big thing which has been tagged hashtag Puddlegate. I don't know if you have you seen this anywhere. Oh, mate! So so it's all over Twitter. Basically, uh, when they showed gameplay footage of the Spider-Man game at EA back in June, um, no, not EA, sorry, the uh, E3 convention, um, they Mm -hmm. showed this. They showed it in all of its all of its graphics, all of its glory. It looked really stunning. 
And then recently they've they've kind of showed the same kind of level of the game and it looks different. The graphics don't look as good and people have commented on it. And the the bulk of the concern has been that in the original shot of this one bit of the, of the level, there are these beautiful puddles on the floor and they look really detailed and you can see shadows in them and everything. And those puddles are not in this new version of the game that people are playing that's oh. ready for release and so so people have been up in arms online like what the fuck like insomniac have taken the puddles out of the video game this is heresy <laughs> ah! like people have been freaking out about it and insomniac eventually kind of responded and like, they get i cut it's a really boring response but they gave some explanation for how they haven't actually downgraded the graphics it's not a conspiracy theory it's just like you know there's there was a reason for it it was completely logical but um other game developers have been fucking jumping on it. Like Bioware that make the Mass Effect games, they did like a conference the other day where they were displaying one of their new upcoming games. And uh, they were showing like a walkthrough in like a, a live panel. And at one point there was like a puddle in the in the demo and like the guy leading the demo was like, yep, that is a puddle. <laughs> uh, he, 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 began, he began the joke. It says on uh, comicbook.com, it says he began the joke by saying, you'll see the puddle right there. He continued to jest about the entire Spidey debacle by saying, so before we move on, there's a 98% chance that that puddle will be changed, moved or reduced. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. That's I just, like that. Oh, it's just so unfair. Um, but yeah, that was Puddlegate. Um, I'll tell you what, because I've got six bits of news. I'll, I'll ram another quick yeah, one Yeah, put another you. one now. Um, so It, Chapter 2, is currently filming. Um, the sequel to It from last year, which was a fantastic success, had a load of kid actors in it, but the new film, they're all going to be grown up and they're going to be replaced by actors such as Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, like really, really cool cast. Um, but essentially they've, they've released a picture of the filming and it confirms apparently an iconic scene from the It book where Pennywise the Clown is sat on the shoulder of this big statue in the town of a guy called Paul Bunyan. Um, and apparently in the book, uh, one, of the, one of the characters isn't scared of this. So Pennywise gets frustrated and transforms himself into the giant statue and like runs down the street chasing the kid. Um, and you look at the picture and it's of this giant like lumberjack with with Bill Skarsgård sat on it um, and you think if, if where they're going with this is exactly the same and this, this giant like this giant statue is going to come to life it's going to look fucking cool yeah it'll look like, awesome it's going to look really good yeah they did did they um, have the budget to do that in the previous set film or did they just cut that scene out yeah they had quite I, I think no 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 because it's it's in the part of the book where they're all grown up oh no what is, I was, ta I was the, talking about the TV movie I do apologise not the oh no 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 no. so this is the the sequel to the film from last year yes but I was saying I don't that the know. TV, I, the TV I, I, movie I get, did both parts. I'm sure. I get what you mean. I have. I don't know. I haven't watched it. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe. Um, go on, hit me with your next bit of amazing news. Hit me with your rhythm stick. Um, so um, this is Avengers Four news. Um, very exciting. Ooh. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, what, what a shit film. So, there aren't going to be any superheroes in it. <laughs> um, so essentially, um, there's been there's been some reshoots in the Avengers 4 set and really yes so due to sort of at, due to sort of spoilers and etc um, a thing called Atlanta fil filming has reported that based on the information like th through the locations they are reshooting in the the crew will be heading back to Wakanda and it looks like uh. it looks like 
that it, lo- it looks like that's going to be a big part of the film, which kind of confirms that Black Panther is going to return in some way. However, I well, I think I think the characters returning is a no brainer. Yeah, like because I mean we've got another Spider Man film confirmed, but I mean, w- what's your theory? Why do you think they've done this? I don't know. I don't know why they would re- reshoot um, Wakanda scenes in it because, uh, from what I was thinking, most of it would have. Well, I suppose the Wakanda is where all of those superheroes died, so maybe they're reshooting who who's dead and who's not. To me, to me, mate, I think it's the fact that Avengers Four was shot back to back with Avengers Three. They had no idea how big Black Panther was going to be, mm. and correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't Black Panther grossed more money than Infinity War? I think it might have done on repeat viewing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it has. Um, but I think what they're doing is they're reshooting to include more Black Panther and Wakanda because they overshot and didn't realise how important he was going to be and have now realised, fuck, like, if he's such an adored character, we need more of him in the film than the minimal screen time he's currently mm-hmm. got. And I think in Avengers 3, the same thing happened. I remember reading articles at the time um, saying saying that the scenes with the extended Black Panther universe of the people in that, um, those were, those were buffed up a bit in the um, editing yeah. stage. So let, so more scenes were put in than were originally going to be in that film. Um, so yeah, very exciting news. I, I, I am a big fan of that sort of Wakanda storyline. I think it's really good yeah. and the film's great. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Um, yes, same same here, man. I think the more Black Panther, the better. I mean, we're probably not going to see another Black Panther. We're not going to see a Black Panther sequel until at least 2020. So, mm. I mean, it's definitely not going to come out next year, is it? I, I was also thinking to myself the other day, surely we are like just around the corner from getting a Captain Marvel trailer. Well, I was thinking the same thing as well. Like, it, it, surely this is the time because it comes out, the film comes out in the November, doesn't it? No, 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 mate. It, come, it comes out in March, but the the general way things work is advertising and an, an initial teaser trailer tend to release six months before the film. Yep. So we are like, we are close. Like we are close to that point. Like next month, more or less, we should be seeing something. Because I mean, they they've kept that under wraps. Like the only stuff I've seen about that film is a couple of photos of Brie Larson in the suit. Well, I suppose the re- the reason for that is that that film is the hinging factor for Avengers Four. So much mm. in that, so much has to be resolved in that film to to this general storyline of the whole Avengers plot. Do you think? Do you think it will do that, or do you think it will just be? a Captain Marvel Origins film that ends with a post-credit sequence linking it to Avengers 4. Cuz I'm mad, I'm I'm mad skeptical mate. I like I I I just I don't think that we're going to get this amazing all explaining film that we're hoping for. No, I think we'll what I think will happen is we'll deal probably in the themes um it will it will introduce us to the themes that we're probably going to expect in Avengers 4 if that makes sense. Like, if they're going to yeah. use time travel, it'll be brought in here. If they're going to ha- properly explain the quantum realm for once, um, it will be used, it will be, like, put in Captain Marvel. But I don't think it's going to be explicitly, this is how Avengers 4 is now going to work out. Because they have to it leave ambiguous. Be, they do, they do. But it, it would be cool if they maybe jump straight into Captain Marvel without really explaining her lineage. 
save for maybe a couple of flashbacks and then in a second Captain Marvel film when all the Avengers shit is dealt with they they make up some storyline where she traces back to her family's origins or something and then uncovers some kind of mystery through that yeah that would be really it would cool be, it, 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 would, it would be a nice way to not just have another generic origin movie mm. but you know you know, we'll see we'll see, we'll see. hopefully they take our um, advice but you know yeah that's what we're here um, for m- my f- <laughs> exactly <laughs> Jacob Will consultants of superheroes <laughs> exactly <laughs> so my last two bits of news are also superhero related um, one of them is my favourite thing to talk about on our news segment mate it's an update on the Todd Phillips Joker film uh, have we now um, mentioned that in about three or four podcasts I uh, mate I mean there is so much happening with this film and it involves so many interesting people that I just think you can't not bring it up once a week. <laughs> uh, we 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 need to try and bag a ticket to the premiere or something mate the amount we've promoted this yeah, film. Yeah, we'll probably do. Let's let's go um, to a midnight viewing of it. That'll be great. Oh mate, I'm I've set my sights on being sat next to Joaquin Phoenix. I want more than a midnight show. Oh wow. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, considering the service we've done. Um no so the, so, We've done so single hand leap, sorry. <laughs> We've done so much. Um, pl- like, well, this film is essentially being sold by the 52 week film project. Yeah, mate, no no one wants this film. No, <laughs> like, no, one, no one likes these actors. It's only us. <laughs> um, but anyway, anyway, so there's a few actor updates. Some of these are a little bit behind the times, and I can't believe we didn't bring it up sooner. Um, Mark Maron my favourite podcaster and best actor in Glow, seasons one and two on Netflix. Ah. The absolute dude with the proper 70s moustache. He has been confirmed as a character. Um, He's going to have relatively little screen time, but he's going to play, what was it that they said? He's going to play the longtime producer of a talk show host that's going to be prominent in the film. And now we know, based on like the Mask of the Phantasm and the Batman animated films, that there seems to be a special place for talk show hosts and that kind of vibe alongside Batman Joker stories. Mm-hmm. Like the the Joker loves to kind of go live on air and do something really scary. Um, so hopefully that's where this will go. Um, but Mark Maron's going to be the longtime producer of the talk show host, who is going to be played by Robert De Niro. Oh wow. So you now have Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Maron, Robert De Niro, and even more exciting news, Alec Baldwin has dropped off the project. Alec Baldwin's gone. I know. Alec Baldwin is no longer Thomas Wayne. I think he must have heard last week's episode. He must have he must have really taken that I'm a white Samuel L. Jackson to heart. Mm. Um, he, he must have thought, you know what, Jake's right. Viggo Mortensen could do a better Thomas Wayne than me. What what is wrong with me? I'm Saturday Night Live and I'm nothing else. Yeah, and he just he just decided to kick it in, back it in, kick it in. I mean, he's he's, he's not dying. The, the man is not dying. Uh, it's, it's all fine. He's not. Well, packing it in <laughs> that's a thing, surely. But no, I I but so that's that's the update on the Todd Phillips Joker film. I the only other update I've got is Kevin Smith came out the other day and was defending the budget for it. So the budget's fifty-five million dollars. And Kevin Smith has been like, you know what, I think I can perceive this being the best superhero movie in years. Like they're taking a leaf out of Logan's book and they're doing it proper. They're doing it gritty. Um they haven't confirmed that it's targeting an R rating. But it's it, it's long been assumed, 
And so the, the best bit of news, like the icing on the cake for this film would be to find out that it's going to be an A-team. Mm, I think so. I, I just, I still have my Suicide Squad worries though, because the Suicide Squad is this film that was promised. Suicide Squad, in a way, I know that it's a very different Joker and Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad promised us this gritty... Are you, gonna, re- are you, are you able to say it properly? Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. God. Suicide Squad, <laughs> yes. That film. Um, Irish wristwatch. Yeah. <laughs> red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry. Anyway, I'm, it's okay. I'm better now. Now I've done my voice warm up. It's all fine. Um, um, yeah. So I, I think I think Suicide Squad could was could have been that film and then just wasn't because of reshoots. And I worry the same yeah. thing might happen with the Joker. But the talent, no, see, the talent is good in this Joker film. See, see, see. I I think Joaquin Phoenix signing on to something like this goes. And Robert De Niro and Mark Maron, three very stubborn, very good actors, goes a long way to proving, alongside the low budget, uh, the director doing it and the possible high age rating. I think it goes a long way, much further way than Suicide Squad did to showing that it means business. Mm. Like the the problem for me with Suicide Squad was there were so many different people involved, so many different companies that film needed to make a fuck ton of money. So they were like, we need to make this a 12 so that we can appeal to all target audiences and so that we can, we can smash it out on ticket sales. And they fucked it. Yeah. If they'd had it, if they'd had it as a 15, maybe even an 18 gone a bit gory, gone a bit more X rated. Like they, they would have sold more tickets, placing faith in the audience. And look at Deadpool. Just like we know that R rated films and R rated superhero films work. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, not a huge fan of the sequel, but I'll let it off because I'm sure the third one will be brilliant. Yeah. Um, final bit of news from you, my friend. Yes. So it's it's less news, but it's... Well, I suppose it is news. Um, it, the BI, BFI Film Festival um, has just announced the films that it's going to be showing. And I thought I'd give a rundown of oh, some of the great... Oh, has it? <gasps> yes. Oh, mate, I didn't know that. So just for context for anyone that's listening, we, me and Will are trying to blag our way into the BFI Film Festival in October uh, with delegate passes. We've like we filled out the application and we've given them the link to the podcast, but we, we have no idea if we really have the clout to be invited. No. And we, we might just end up having to go through the raffle process of getting a load of different tickets. And we'll do a big bumper episode on the festival. Um, but... Again, another shout out. If you're listening and enjoying and you do want to leave a review, that will only help. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because yeah, that this is not just leave a review now. This is get Jake and Will to the to the BFI Film Festival. Um so yeah. <laughs> so excitingly, um it, the film festival open on the 10th of October with Steve McQueen's crime thriller Widows. That's that oh, really? um Viola Davis um 18 film. Uh it keep, it's been shown in a lot of cinemas recently. I think it looks great. Um, other films of note are beautiful. Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet's film is being released. Oh, then, really, what about the Father yeah. and Son? Yeah, oh, it, May, that, which oh, looks we've we've beautiful. got to get into this. Yeah, it, it looks, does yeah. look really good, doesn't it? Uh, Terry Gilliam's new film, Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame and mm-hmm. Brazil, as, among other films, um, and the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, um, famed for the unfortunate death of Heath Ledger um, through it. Um, he's got his new film, the, the Man Who Killed Don Quixote, um, or Quixote. I don't know. It's something along, along those lines. And then Alfonso Cuaron, director of Gravity, um, is he's got a personal epic, Roma. I just watched the trailer for it, and it looks beautiful. 
it's this sort of black and white um, personal story about I think about his childhood, and it just looks really right. really moving. It just it looks like a it's visually it looks so beautiful. Um, oh mate, mate, there, there are so, I'm just on the screen as well. There are so many films on here, like that just look phenomenal. Like they've got that film, The Favorite, by Yorgos Lanthimos, the guy who did uh, The Lobster. Um, which oh got my gosh! Oli- yes, it's got Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Vice all playing like royals that just fuck around. Um, you've got the new Coen Brothers film, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the western. Um, you've got. Fuck, man, it looks so good. You've got The Front Runner, which is the new Hugh Jackman film about the disgraced politician who was the front runner in the election in the 80s. Yes, yes. Uh, who had an affair. Um, You've got the new Michael Moore film, um, his new documentary. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, What's that that's called? Been I think it's 11, um, Fahrenheit 11.9. Yeah. Or something like that. Or is it 9-11, mate? It might be Fahrenheit. I thought Fahrenheit 9-11 was his previous one. I think he's already done that. Oh, so has he Has he just kind of turned it around? I think then? so. I'm not I'm not fully certain, but I I, I think I read it as 11-9. Um, and I was thinking, that sounds odd. But yeah, that, very exciting. I think I'm most excited probably about um, uh, Beautiful Boy. Beautiful um, Steve Boy, Crone, yeah. Steve Timothy Ch- it, Chalamet. If, if we don't get passes, we need to get online and get tickets for that. Um, absolutely, because that'll be a that'll be a good week for us to uh, review some exciting new things, possibly months before they even come out. Exactly, exactly, and we will have yeah. the scoop. We will have we will have the scoop even more so than Screen Unseen, where I mean, you guys can see American Animals next week. It's not quite yeah, exactly, exciting. exactly. It's not um, it's not fully revolutionary, but it does make make us feel quite important. Um, exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, good stuff. Well, we uh, we will figure that out. My final bit of news, mate. We're coming up to half an hour, which is good. I think we've gone through quite a lot quite quickly. Um, did you know that there is a Marvel scripted podcast? No. Marvel have dipped their toes into the podcast game and they have released a 10-episode radio drama podcast in association with Stitcher called Wolverine The Long Night. It's it's already out on Stitcher, but you have to have a premium membership for it. The reason I'm mentioning it now is because it's coming out on Spotify, Pocket Cast, insert every other platform here on the 12th of September. Right. The actor Richard Armitage is voicing Wolverine. Oh wow! And you can, yeah, I know. And you you can go and listen to a little bit of it now on Spotify, and he sounds fucking amazing. He sounds really really cool. And there are loads of people. Apparently, for the people that have already listened to it, they've absolutely loved it. And it's looking as if uh, Marvel are going to develop a kind of podcast expanded universe. Gosh, they really are controlling most of media now at this point, aren't they? It's cool, isn't it? Marvel and Disney, mate. Marvel and Disney. The the day the day Disney buys Marvel, I might cry. Yeah. They need to stay separate. They do. They absolutely need to stay separate. Well, look at what happened to Star Wars. Just look at what happened. Where the, I, it's just it's just such a shame what um, a lack of creative control does to it does to it. Or, or too much creative control to the wrong people. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. Yes, yes. Don't mention that woman's name in this podcast. Um, last Jedi. <coughs> right. Um, anyway. Anyway. Um, so should we, do you want to get started? That wraps up the news segment. Yeah, that's done with the news segment. Do you want to get started on our film for the week? We, I, I would love to, Matt. I would love to. So this this week we saw Black Klansman. I think last week we, we said that we were going to um, 
we, we, we said that we were going to do a bumper episode um, for Black Klansman and I think we were going to do Black Klansman Searching, we said. Uh, I, yeah, so I think we did say that, didn't we? Yeah. I think, um, I, I I saw Searching, I saw Searching last night. I will hold off on my opinions on the film because obviously you haven't seen it yet, so we're gonna give it give it a proper review next week. I think the likelihood is what we what what we're looking at doing is doing a bumper episode next week covering both Searching and Yardy, Idris Elba's new film. Mm. Um, but for this week, we've got Black Klansman. Um, I saw it a couple of nights ago. You saw it yesterday. Yes. Yeah, and. Uh, what are our thoughts? Spike Lee film. <laughs> We're doing a film um, review podcast. What are our thoughts? I, 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 I'm completely bereft of words there, mate. Um, <laughs> so this film... Go on then. Hit, hit, hit me with an explanation, a rough outline of this film for people that don't know, and your initial thoughts. So this is based on a true story. The opening title says it's based on some for real, for real shit. Um, <laughs> I, think I, I think I pronounced that right. Um, and so it's the story of Ron Stallworth, who is a... Black cop in nineteen, I want to say nineteen fifties America. No, mate, it's in the seventies. Seventies America um, in, in in Colorado Springs. Could you not tell it was the seventies from like the whole style? Yes, I think I think I was confused <laughs> by a thing by a thing that said nineteen fifty six, but I don't know why. Anyway, but, um, uh, okay. yeah, so it's the story of Ron Stallworth, and he is a black cop, um, and he is joined is joining the police force. Um, and is tasked originally in like a mail mail room, but then goes over to being being a detective, and starts investigating the Ku Klux Klan, and using a white voice or what he terms as a white voice, he gets in with some of the high leaders um, in the in the local um, Colorado Ku Klux Klan, as well as the national Ku Klux Klan, with phone calls to David Duke. And so he's who is the who is who? What, what does he define himself as? He's the Grand Wizard, but he refers to himself as the National Secretary or something completely bollocks. Yeah, the National Secretary and Grand Grand High Wizard, or just Grand Wizard. Grand Wizard. Yeah. See, I'm I'm I've been listening to Harry Potter on audiobook, so I, I I'm getting confused with the, with what David Duke calls himself <laughs> and just the names of wizards. What, what's racist and what's just poor exactly. writing? Exactly. <laughs> and so yeah, and so they then have to to have to. Enabled to be to be on the field and to integrate not just on the phone but um, actually meeting the clan. Um, they need a, they need a second person because obviously Ron is a black white, and a white, white supremacist. Um, and so they get um, Adam Driver, um, who is is um, playing a guy called Flip Zimmerman, who is Jewish, um, who goes also on, undercover as well. And the whole film, I think, was I really really enjoyed this film. I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, it was, for a start, it's just so funny. It really is. It it's is, got a like, really it, good sense of humour about it. Yeah, it def- for sure. Like, it, it, it's sharply written. It is like, there are proper laugh out loud moments in this. And it's not just the classic, like, oh, ha, 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 it's a black guy pretending to be white. Like, it, it's like, I don't know, that's not a classic thing. But like, it's just like, it, it's funnier. It has more layers than that. Yeah. Um. So for anybody who's seen the trailer and kind of seen the kind of initial premise of him being on the phone, being like, I hate Jews, I hate, like all of that kind of stuff. Like, it, it, those conversations on the phone, that Ron Stallworth has become even funnier as the film go on, goes on and he kind of digs his hole even deeper. Um, I thought it, it looks beautiful. It's, re- it's really cool. It feels really smooth. You're kind of like, you're grinning ear to ear w- at one moment and then you're kind of like bopping your head one moment and then there's some incredible kind of sincerity in it as well. Mm, definitely. Um, 
And that that 100% comes from the coalition of Spike Lee and Jordan Peele because they both they're both you know established black figures with inc- impressive black voices who uh, do a remarkable job of um, kind of breaking that down for people that maybe haven't experienced it or the, who are maybe trying to explain it. Um, I think also that Jordan Peele's influence. I know he's he's not an executive producer on the film, but he's a producer, but. Um, with the whole um, the fracas, if, if if you will, of the go- <laughs> of the Golden Globe scenario last year, where his film was marketed as a horror, it then got put in the comedy um, com- the comedy nomination um, in the Golden Globes, and then after that, Jordan Peele says, "No, actually, it's a documentary." I think that all three of those aspects—comedy, horror, and documentary—are really seen throughout this whole film. You've got the horrors yeah, of the. Um, what is happening on both sides? Actually, sometimes, sometimes you are looking at in in the film you you are presented with um, a black power movement of, of a um, of a of the local universities. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's, it's, it's essentially the African American Society of that university, and this is at the time of Malcolm X, and this is um, this is this is this is where black people want to reclaim. Um, power over this and so you've got these two completely different ideologies um, fighting and it's and the, how they both sides both white and black are quite are quite scary and how every, everyone is just getting wound up it feels like there's going to be yeah, a yeah, yeah. crash They're completely what, what I really really respected about this film was it showed the strengths and weaknesses of both sides of the the issue mm. um so so they kind of like they 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 have an interesting use of um they have an actor playing Stokely Carmichael who was a very real very aggressive black panther advocate and speaker um who did a lot for the movement but also was kind of condemned for you know advocating violence and and, and many people kind of thinking you know that's not the way we should be and there's a bit in the film where he's kind of giving this talk as will said in the college uh you know the student union or whatever and he's saying like arm yourselves brothers because it's coming and you need to be prepared kind of thing um and you 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 understand that sentiment you understand why they've been wound to that point but you're also kind of for, for black directors to show that yeah that's also quite terrifying and also to show that not every african-american agreed with that not every african-american wanted that to be the solution kind of thing mm-hmm. like that was that was cool i really liked the way it, it struck a middle ground and i also really liked the way it had white characters in the film you know it, it was not afraid to show kind of unflinching racism that is representative of the times but it also it showed white characters who looked way beyond that in both the police force and not and it, what i thought was particularly engaging was the kind of the trio the ragtag bunch that was made up of uh the guy who played ron stallworth do you know the name of the actor uh, yes uh i do I also have a Will Paxton fun fact about him as well. John David oh, Washington. God. So John David Washington, um, I haven't seen him in anything before and he was a very good Well, lead. interestingly, so he's he's in the TV show Ballers, which I've never seen. Um, oh, that's how, the... And that's, he's done a couple of the, other films. That's The Rocks. Is that The Rocks TV show? Oh, it might be The Rocks TV show. I think yeah, it might be The Rocks yeah, TV show. Okay, yeah, 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 I know. yeah, yeah. But interestingly, um, Spike Lee's... I think Spike, one of Spike Lee's most famous films is um, Malcolm X. And um, John, John David Washington's first film is Malcolm X. He's a student in a classroom at a young age. 
Oh my god! Isn't that a great yeah, story? Is that, that that film is like from, what from the eighties or the nineties? I think it's nineteen ninety-two like, or something. Oh my god! I know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really, really. I was. Cool. Really, I found that. I was like, that's a really nice fact. That reminds me of the whole Harry Kane story of like, there's a picture of him shaking hands with David Beckham on the pitch, and then years later, he's the England captain. Um, and the the female footballer who was playing alongside him when they met David Beckham is now his wife or whatever. It's funny how those things come full circle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. I know. Like you think about you, you, you think about the impact that those experiences have on a person. It like, it is mad. It is but, mad to think. Yeah, um, but no. Continue about your ragtag ragtag budge, bunch of the three. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so you had you had the three of them. You had him. You had Adam Driver. And you had Steve Buscemi, who was a nice cameo appearance. I didn't know that he was going to be in the film. It's not Steve Buscemi. Trailers. Yes, it's it is. It's Martin Buscemi, his brother. No, you're fucking joking. I'm not. I'm not. No, you are fucking having no, me on, I, mate. I, no I can, way. I can tell you this now. It's not he Steve Buscemi. He has a brother that also acts. What? No, hold on. I know. It's madness. And his brother hasn't been in many big things either. So I didn't know he existed. No, no, you're... No, no, it can't be true. Surely. I... I Sorry, the, the podcast is now is just who can get to IMDb quicker. That's what's happening at this point. What, what did you say his name was? Martin Buscemi. Martin Buscemi. I don't know how you spell Buscemi. I think, I think oh, it's... Oh, no, I do, don't worry. But you can't find him online anywhere, man. Hang on. Let's let's get this sorted. For the, Keep on talking about the uh, ragtag, ragtag bunch and I'll, and I'll look it up. All right. No, so, so anyway, the three of them were really great, and what I what I enjoyed about it most was the fact that you had Adam Driver and Martin Buscemi's characters were um, they're white characters, but they this film didn't do that classic thing of they're white guys who aren't racist, but they are a bit distrusting of this new black rookie. So he's going to have to build up their trust for the whole film, and maybe towards the end they'll come in and save his life, kind of thing. Like instead, just right off the bat. They respected him, they liked him, and they all got on. And I feel like narratively that me- that allowed the story to have so much more freedom. It didn't have to be this uphill racist struggle the whole way through the film. No. And I really, I really liked that. I think it worked for the story, it worked for the script, it worked for the kind of entertainment value. Um, but that's not debasing kind of like the incredibly sincere moments in this film. I mean, some some like critics kind of accused it of grandstanding a little bit. Uh, like for example, the film, you know, this, this can be a relatively spoiler free film, a uh, film review. Um, but the film kind of ends with this kind of montage of clips from like the Charlottesville marches, like the neo-Nazi uh, racist marches that happened in the States a year ago. And Donald Trump's incredibly poor response to it. Um, and uh, some critics have kind of poked at that and been a bit like, you know, Ron Stallworth's story is impressive enough. You didn't really need to have to drive that point home to that kind of obvious level. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm in two minds. I kind of thought the ending was quite powerful. Like, I haven't watched those clips for a while, and seeing that clip of the uh, the Mustang, the blacked-out Mustang driving into that crowd of people, like, that is still as horrifying as the moment I saw it the first time it's even more horrifying seeing that on a big screen in a cinema so i think it did affect me um whether it was kind of necessary to me is kind of against the point i think if you've got uh, a visionary you know he's in his 60s now isn't he black actor like spike lee 
he's been doing this for so long that if he has the platform to do that and bring that point in complete clarity to masses of people that are going to see this film because it's been a critical success um why the fuck would you not do exactly and i was Um, i was reading an article today um i i it's quite sad i have not watched a lot of spike lee films in my time um neither have i I, neither have i no which which is which is sad because i feel like he's a very good director very well respected director it's just never really cupped cropped up on my radar um but there is a, a really interesting article that was saying that um this is what Spike Lee does in, in terms of the ending, is that he always tries to bring it back to the present. He always tries to bring it back to a through line of, well, this is a, this is a, a, a thing that is not just localised into this one event. The story has greater narrative, narrative reachings than just yeah. the actual contemporary time of when this was set. Um, I think he did a very similar scene at the end of Malcolm X, or the beginning of Malcolm X, um, and at the... Oh, I can't remember the name of the other film... Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I, I really enjoyed the ending. Um, me and you had a conversation about my hatred of um, D- Donald Trump appears at the end of the movie. And I have a real problem with um, with with um, y- with usually with films or with um, I always refer to it as the GCSE drama curse of ev- everyone wants to yeah. put Donald Trump in their mo- in their movies. Uh, however, on reflection t- with talking to you, I think you're right. It, the Donald Trump's Donald Trump um, is in that film for that for the Charlottesville reasons. He was he was un- unmistakably wrong in those in those in his comments that after the Charlottesville, and also it's quite shocking. It's when, when it's when it's when it's presented like that at the end of this film. It's really shocking, and it, it stays and you know with what, you me know- for longer. Yeah, and, and for me, out of all the things he's been kind of criticised for and out of the kind of the sexual assault comments and uh, the shit with Russia and calling Hillary Clinton fucking crooked Hillary Clinton for about six months, like the, the bit that got me about that was it is your responsibility as a new president to condemn acts of violence. There should never be any leeway in that. Mm. And you you didn't. You, you, you kind of in the Charlottesville incident. He was like, um, uh, what was it that he said? Uh, uh, there was fault on both sides, and it's like, oh god, like th- th- this is not what you should be doing. It's just not good enough like, at all. It's it's not good enough. It is frankly not good enough. Um, and it's interesting because if you go back through the film, there are a couple of bits that I kind of, I had to do a little bit of research on because I wasn't that familiar with, but I, I kind of I picked up or it reminded me from kind of history class a long time ago, but they use uh, the film Birth of a Nation in the movie, which is the three and a half hour long black and white silent movie Ku Klux Klan epic, um, which was just horrendous. It's horrifying. Like it's, it's kind of it's earmarked in in kind of historical terms as a, a disgusting sign of the times. Some people have tried to cover it up as a as a satire, which it quite frankly wasn't. It was one of the biggest pieces of propaganda in U.S. history. Um, but even then, like if you're if you're looking at the the terrible comments that Trump made at the end of the, uh, at the end of the film, which was only in 2017. Back in uh, the 1930s or whenever it was Birth of a Nation came out, Woodrow Wilson called the film History Written in Lightning. I know. 
and 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 it, and it's it was fascinating, and I think it was a very clever tactic, and it's made me appreciate Donald Trump's inclusion a bit more in the film. When you think back to about forty five minutes before the end of the film, and you see that bit, you're reminded of that bit, and I remember that being like something that really grabbed me when I was younger, when I was kind of studying this. I remember thinking, how how the fuck can the most important person in the world, the most powerful person in the world, arguably say that? Hmm. Like and 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 you skip nearly a hundred years into the future. Has much changed? No, I know. No. It's yeah. It's and and it, that's what this film struck for me is that it really made me think of how I how I am. Um, just not in terms of like how I interact with pe- with people of color or people of different races or creeds or um, sexualities, etc. I think it just made made me think of the fact that that it's still institutionally here. There are still cases of the Ku Klux Klan operating and it doesn't have to be as severe as that. There, But there are still acts of violence to coloured people all the time. And it, I think this film, more than any other film recently, I think you hear it on the news and you you see it and you, you watch things like The People vs. OJ and it's a big theme in that. But I think this film really made me get to grips with that in a lot because it was just so in yeah. your face. Um, I think I think I think this film also for me it ended up being a lot more dramatic and sincere than I predicted it would be based on the trailers. Um, don't get me wrong, it's still laugh out loud funny. It's very stylistic. Um, personally, I'm not a big Adam Driver fan, but I feel like in this element where he was kind of playing a bit of a sarky character, he was thriving. I thought he was really entertaining. Um, but yeah, it is it is a lot more serious. Mm than I thought it was going to be, which isn't to its detriment. Just um, based on the trailers, I don't think you foresee that. No, I foresaw it maybe, being maybe, as being a maybe wacky, that, zany that, film. But maybe that's part of, maybe that's kind of part of it. Maybe they didn't want you to know how serious it was going to be until you sat down to watch it. Like luring you into a false sense of security, almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Let- um, there was One of the other tidbits that was quite interesting was... Um, there was a cameo by Harry Belafonte, who is essentially the he's the king of Calypso. Very, very successful African American kind of Jamaican singer songwriter. Um, and it's the scene where he's sat in like the the black student union or the black caucus, and he's he's kind of retelling the story of Jesse Washington, who was the man who was kind of lynched in front of the baying crowd. Um, that was particularly haunting as well. Because that's something that I've studied again, and it was kind of just seeing that they, you know, they've got someone so prominent in African American culture into the film to kind of talk through it, um, it just made it feel all the more real. Yeah, I agree. It blends the lines. Um, yeah. So on, on a more on a more positive note, even though we are saying very positive things about this review, but um, that, um, it's quite, it's quite a heavy film in lots of ways. But let's just talk about Alec Baldwin. Oh mate, don't. So, so, go on. Go well, on. no, no. You this this is your this is your quote. I was last last week on the podcast. I was shocked into silence by Jake's assertion that um, Alec Baldwin is the white Samuel L. Jackson, and then <laughs> he turns up in Black Klansman, and it's it's yeah, it's mad. Yeah, he. So I mean, I missed the first couple of minutes of the film, but from what I gathered from you, he essentially plays. It's deliberately like it's deliberately done, but he plays a, a white um, conservative Republican man who's kind of shouting vitriol, like shouting pure hatred. Um, and, and granted, I think it's probably quite a clever tactic for a film like this. 
But it just, it just for me, further the whole, God, Alec Baldwin will take anything that comes his way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think... Um, I don't know. He, he bugs me, man. He really bugs me. <laughs> well, it's just that it's just the fact that he's now cameoing in he's cameo he's doing another cameo part, kind of. He's coming in for a little bit, doing a funny little Alec Baldwin moment, and it's very Alec Baldwin. It's classic Alec yeah, Baldwin. Yeah, he's, he's becoming a caricature of himself, mm. and it's and it's and it's it's just another nail in the coffin for Alec Baldwin. I think not nail in the coffin for Alec Baldwin. I still like his Donald Trump. I think he's still a talent. But I think in terms of his acting career, he has got to reinvent himself quickly. Otherwise, he will get I just lost. Think, yeah, but I also think that this film kind of oozed um, clever casting and characters. And I think the, the the idea for that moment where you've just got this guy shouting hate at the screen is quite impactful. But having him in it, I don't know, for me, it kind of reminded me of when Game of Thrones put Ed Sheeran in. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, I get it. Like you're putting Ed Sheeran in for a bit of Game of Thrones where it's singing and Ed Sheeran's good at singing, but that doesn't mean that it, it will work. Like, yeah, okay, so we've got a scene in Black, uh, Black Klansman where we need an aggressive white guy to shout a load of stuff at the screen. Yeah, brilliant. Let's get that. Uh, who is it? The, the white Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. Let's get him in. Doesn't mean it's going to work. For me, it just felt like SNL all over again. Mm, mm. And I've watched it. I've watched it back. And I just think that it kind of, if if I had sat down after our last week's rant about him and watched the whole of that scene rather than walk into the cinema kind of when it was finishing, um, I think it would have blunted the film for me, at least for the first 20 minutes or so. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because I, I, I would have had a perception problem. I would have thought, oh, okay, so is this going to be that kind of film that makes those kinds of decisions? And it doesn't. It's a great film. No, it's a great film. But I don't know, no, no more bald whim. No more, Baldwin. no more Baldwin. No more Baldwin. We can't start <laughs> Go back as a child. to 30 Rock. We can't do it. Get my, my, Alec Baldwin has got 13 brothers that can also can also do stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and hasn't Alexander Skarsgård got about 20? Exactly. Like, exactly. Give, them, give them some fucking roles in Hollywood. And speaking of brothers, it's Michael Buscemi. Michael Buscemi. Michael okay. Buscemi. So has, he act, has he acted in anything else? He was in I'm on Surely the page. Surely he has. Yeah, he's 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 in he's in Blended. I don't know if that that's um, that's um, Drew Barrymore oh, mate, he's in and Animal Adam Sandler thing. Um, what else is he in? Honestly, it crazy. doesn't look like he's in lots. He's in Nurse Jackie. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea that it wasn't Steve. That's baffling. Steve, Steve, please show me, mate. Sorry, I just, I just, I just enjoy staying Stevie Shemmy like that. Like he's, but he just, he just, he looks just as creepy as his brother, if not a bit more so. Because I'm, I'm, I'm used to Stevie Shemmy now. Like I've seen Stevie yeah. Shemmy crop up, but he is terrifying, Michael. Okay, so anyway, coming, coming round then. Um, what do you, do you want to go to Critic Quote Awards? Let's go to Critic Quote Awards. Yeah, do you want, do you want to do so, my best so, description? Yeah, what did you have for best description of the film, mate? Uh, this is from Katie Walsh from What the Flick. Um, pretty quick quote. Um, a masterful tension of, I'm going to make you laugh, and I'm also going to make you feel really weird and uneasy. It, that was in quotes. Yeah, I like that. I think that's pretty pretty representative of what the song I, does. I think it's I don't pretty think it on, gets, yeah. I don't think it gets too weird. It could have got weirder. 
but I think maybe that would have sacrificed some of the kind of sincerity. Yeah. Um, my best description comes from Philip Seymour Semlin from Time Out. I was. It, um, I genuinely thought you were about to say Philip Seymour Hoffman. I was like, he's back. <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, so Seymour Semlin says, veering from a black exploitation spoof to an undercover thriller and ending with a no punches pulled real life coda. Black Klansman is riotously fun one minute and savagely biting the next. Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's there's one looking on Rotten Tomatoes this this week. There wasn't a lot of negative criticism for this film. Everyone no. everyone either liked it or loved it. I, that's what I've seen. I did I did manage to have a savage quote, which I think kind of runs along from what I've sort of already said about grandstanding. Um, my most savage one was from Andy Lee from the <laughs> shock horror, the Daily Express. Oh. <gasps> Uh, I hope no one heard that. No. Um, so Andy Lee said the film might have had a wider impact if Lee had resisted grandstanding and allowed Stallworth's tale to speak for itself. I do get it to a degree, but I don't think it overdoes what it does. Mm-hmm. I get, I get that. I think, I, I, I think this film tre- it does tread a fine line of it could have gone a little bit too hammer home on the kind of political point and it kind of gets to that line but doesn't yeah like they, 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 we could have walked out of this film thinking Christ like it really did make it very clear that this was the main point of the film mm. and it, it it got there but it never kind of stepped over I I, th- I think that I can understand that criticism because I think I really enjoyed the majority of the film but the climax where there, there, there's a bomb threat. A, it doesn't happen in the book, which is interesting. Um, it just, it just, the department just gets shut down for the similar reasons. There's no big um, event or threat that happens in the book. Um, however, I just felt that that bomb threat wasn't. I didn't feel too tense about that. Whereas the whole no, rest of the film, I felt more tense with it. I felt more, yeah, more the, the I felt fine. more tense with um, Ron being in. Um, Flip being in the um, KKK's house and stuff like that than the actual climax of that of the film. For 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 me, I I did definitely think that the final act kind of lagged a little bit for mm. me. It wasn't quite as engaging. I also I also think that the they the guy who played David Duke, the Grand Wizard, was very good. I think the guy who played the main KKK guy that still were first contacts is uh, funnily enough the guy who plays one of the hot teachers in Nine Hundred Two One Zero, which was just a a bizarre change, a bizarre transition in his in his career. You watched Nine Hundred Two One Zero? Of course I did, mate. All four fucking seasons. Well done. <laughs> Years ago, um, but no, it was cool to see him in it. I thought the other KKK members were a little bit hit or miss. Mm. I, I I didn't think they were that great. I thought there was the one classic drunk, slightly spazzy one, and I thought I really loathed his appearance in the film. Do you remember I his really name didn't... in the film? No. Do you know, do you know, what know his name is? Because this freaked me out. Do you remember, do you, when you think about this and you read a, read a cast list and you get the names, it's just mad. Okay. His name in it? the film is Ivanhoe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, no so yeah, it, they weren't, I didn't think him, I didn't think the other guy, Felix, I didn't think they were particularly engaging. I actually found them a bit annoying and it's probably one of, considering the amount of screen time they get and considering how well cast the cops were and some of the female leads, I, I, I kind of feel like they detracted. They, they knocked a point off my rating for this film, mate, Oof. if I'm honest. It was the only thing that really got to me. I just didn't think they were that great. Mm. Um, and, they should, they could, and should have been better. 
fair. I get that. Um, um, I have, I do, do I have, have managed it? to find the most savage. Um, so Go I'll, I'll say that now. Um, it's from Casper Summon from Pajiba. Um, alongside this jarring to- tonal mishmash, Lee seems to have forgotten to throw any filmmaking smarts to the movie, which results in oh scenes that God. peter out, poorly edited musical choices, ugly split screen, and a truly bizarre shot selection. Oh, I do agree with the ugly split screen. There are some really like tacky looking bits in this film. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Like with that. where they 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 look like video games. Like and it and it not in a cool way. Like in a in a in a, in a like a really lazy poor man's Tarantino way. It looks like a a, t- uh, a TV channel with no budget is trying to do like a kind of like a, a yeah. It kind of looks like a prank. I, patrol, I also think like like screens like, or something. Yeah, yeah, completely. They prank patrol so on the money, <laughs> but also, also they they use this one song probably about fifteen times in the film. I'm, I'm glad you and said I, that. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to sing it now, but I have it kind of on the tip of my tongue. And they use that tune. It kind of like it reminds me of like the Family Guy when you come back from it when you Family Guy cuts for a credit or it comes back from the credit. It's like do 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 do. Like they kind of they they have a song that they use like that through most of the film and it kind of started to get on my nerves. It's also a bit av as a song, I also think. I don't think it's most... I just think that some of the scenes would have been better if they'd had better musical crescendos in them. Um, Yeah, completely. Well, the guy who did it is is called... I think it's called Terence Howard, the guy who did the music. And he he is a long long standing work. He worked with um, Spike Lee in a lot of films and did Malcolm X again. So it's, it suggests that Spike Lee likes using his his same people. However, it doesn't seem like this guy's done a lot of other movies um, that are of big notes. It's a lot of like documentary scoring and stuff like that. And it for me, it just wasn't the 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 score. No, sorry, the soundtrack was great. The score that was created for this movie, I didn't Not think was so that much. good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do you have a best moment um, in the film, mate? Yeah, I I do. It, like I was thinking about this for a while. And there are a couple of bits that I really enjoyed, but my favourite bit was the bit where the three cops are in the locker room and they're going through like the accent training and Ron Stallworth saying, "Look, Flip, you you know you have to try and sound like me as much as you possibly can." And Adam Driver's just like not engaging with that. And then they end up they go from trying to sound as white as possible to completely U-turning. And then by the end of the scene, they're all in the locker room shouting, I am black and I am proud. Say it loud. And they just keep going. I just thought it was, I, just, I, thought I was in stitches. That was a great I thought it was scene. so funny. Yeah. It was a really, really good scene. Or, or the scene at the end where he's on the phone to David Duke for like the last time. That's also absolutely hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Good moments. Good moments. What about you? Um, to bring the, this film is about um, comedy and horror. So I'm, so you bring the comedy, I bring the horror. Um, my favourite scene is the scene where it's edited simultaneously, where David Duke is having his, like the ritual meeting for the KKK and Jerome Turner is doing his speech to the, to the university and it ends with them chanting white power versus black power. I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's also terrifying. really good. I just felt my heart just beating more and more throughout the scene. And it's just so, it's like um, that Game Game of Thrones, um, the finale of season six. They, um, yes, finale of season six, where they have that, the end episode, they've got that 10 minute sequence with music um, where they, I'm not going to spoil, but actually I'm going to spoil Game of Thrones. Why not? Uh, yeah, they blow up the set to like Baylor, it. Um, And it's that 10 minute beautiful sequence of music um, where Tom and fucking jumps out yeah, a window. Yeah, all of that stuff. All of oh. that stuff. 
Oh, great. what a show! Yeah, great show. Um, um, but I, it reminds me of that kind of stuff. It just, it just, I kept on building and building and building. The music kept on trending. They used really clevering editing there. I thought the editing was good in that in that sequence um, between the two the two different groups. Um, I thought it was a gr- I thought it was, that was my favorite moment, definitely. Yeah, yeah, mate. Good moment. Good moment. So, what would you what would you rate this out of ten? I would rate it. So, hold on, hold on. Before you say it. We both did. We both rate American Animals eight point five. Yes, and that was our second highest reviewed film. Yes, after you would ever really hear, which was a nine. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Yeah, um, we we are talking about doing a graphic of some description um, that we will hopefully post the Instagram of all our previous ratings. It, yeah. it, even for us, if I'm honest, because we forget we're only human. We're fallible. <laughs> um, we try our hardest. Um, I think for this film, I'm going to give it an. Seven a seven point five, but with a commendation. Like I don't think it's good enough to be an eight. <laughs> but I, I, I really like the film. Seven point five with a certified will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like like the difference between a two one and a two one honors. That's the. Do you see what I mean? Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, I thought we weren't going to be those kinds of reviews. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. It's like I really want to give it a good rating because it is a good film, but it just. In so many parts, it didn't do it for me. Towards the end, I got a little bit bored, um, and I appreciate what it's doing, but it like it wasn't groundbreaking. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought I thought the way like not to just compare it to American Animals because they are massively different films, but the way there were bits in that film we watched last week where it felt like that was fucking like a knife going into my gut and twisting, and it was like, oh, this is so fucking intense, like. But equally, so fucking funny. Like, it was another film where there was just boatloads of sincerity, but also boatloads of humour. And I just think that American Animals managed that in such a better and more interesting way. Mm. I, 7 I out think, of 10 for Black Klansman. Yeah, I think in this podcast now, we're going to have recurring subjects of Aquafina, Alec Baldwin, and American Animals being such a great film. I think those are our, those are our three things we can run with. Yeah, man. I mean, see, that's the thing is after having watched it a couple of days ago, I'm not in a massive rush to watch Black Klansman again. But when it actually comes out in cinemas properly, I'm kind of keen if I get the time to go and see American Animals again. Yeah. Like I enjoy I enjoyed it that much. It was a really good film. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Um, so next week, Yardy and Searching. Now, I've already seen Searching. Um, and, you know, like I'll say my opinion is positive. Um, it's it's a very very unique film. Um, I'm, look, I'm incredi- looking at Jake's um, Jake's it's expression over intense. Skype, and I'm not sure how positive it is. No, it's no 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 no. Like for real, it's it's good, and I'm looking forward to knowing what you think of it because I went into it thinking I know this has been reviewed well, but I really don't like the trope of having a film all run through like social media. Um, but it's it's a lot it's a lot cleverer and a lot more heartwarming than I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, but more on that next week, mate, and more on Yardy. Yeah, all very exci- all very very which, exciting stuff. Which also looks like a very cool film. And then beyond that, I don't know what we're going to review because the reason we're doing a double build this coming week is because we've got two great films out. But the following week, I haven't seen anything yet. I know that The Predator is coming out soon and we do need to check that out. I haven't watched any of The Predator films so I will need to watch... I, I, I'm probably going to start from now 
re- rehashing my memory on Alien and then the Aliens film, etc. And yeah. then start doing the Predator ones as well. Because I good idea, man. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Um, we could do a big, big sci-fi episode. Yeah, and then next week it's very exciting. We're going to the London Podcast Festival. Um, of which course, is, I yeah, about that. yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. We're seeing such good podcasts like a gay and not gay. We're watching. Uh, is it Vitrosity? Yeah, it's, hold on. So we're seeing. Um, we're going to be wearing fifty-two week film project merch. It's amazing. Um, we have which, merch, which is we're, we're really fucking excited about. Um, so if any of you do see us there, I fucking doubt that's going to happen. Then uh, do come over and say hello. Um, we're me and Will are planning to see on the Friday night. We're going to see the Empire Film Podcast do a live recording. Um, on the Saturday during the day, we're seeing Victoriosity, which is a fantastic podcast. It's like a live dramatic storytelling about a kind of a Victorian crime mystery. Um, and then, yeah, in the evening on the Saturday, we're going to see a gay and a non-gay, which is basically me and Will. It's this podcast. Without, <laughs> w- without specifically reviewing films. Yeah, it's this, it's um, this podcast if this if this podcast if if we were better essentially no I'm joking yeah oh for sure yeah, no, yeah. No, that is that is absolutely it <laughs> um, so yeah it'll be it'll be I mean it's the I don't know about you will but it's the first time I've ever had any contact with kind of real podcast performers and kind of real podcast fans so it will be uh, it'll be quite the experience for I us. think it'll we're be really I think it'll be a really good it. thing to go to especially to like we we are quite new to this community I know we've done we I know we're a quarter of the way through our fifty two weeks but we've still got a lot to learn we'll, and it'll be really nice to um, go to London and meet people that are doing podcasts that enjoy podcasts and get some consumer feedback and if anything as well. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're going to try and take some stickers and bits and bobs with mm. us so that we can kind of get the name out there a bit while we're there. Um, I believe. But yeah, good things. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Jake. Um, we will see you next um, week. Yeah, don't forget to please like, subscribe, share with your mates, do all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with a, a double bill review. Bye.